Hello, I'm Dr. Mish Seabrook. I'm a psychotherapist with an interest in how supervision helps psychological practitioners' resilience so that they can do their job. And I'm also interested in hearing people's stories of their journey and relationship with their own resilience, hence this podcast. So, on to the next episode. Hello there listeners, welcome again to Resilience Reflections. This time I talk to Helen Fruin. Helen is a business psychologist, executive coach, speaker and facilitator. She's worked in-house and as a consultant for 20 years, advising companies on how to select talent, then develop and engage people to be at their best. She's now a director at the consulting firm Totem. Helen's also written a book recently, it's called Better Than Confidence, and in the book Helen challenges the belief many of us have that we need more confidence, and she shares seven thinking tools that are more helpful. In this discussion with Helen, we talked about loads of things about Helen's journey, how it links with her business journey. Um, We talked about not being small, tuning into ourselves, and there was a particular admiration that Helen has for Joe Wicks that she mentions once or twice. (laughs) I really enjoyed this talk with Helen, and I'm hoping that you get something from it. I certainly did. So, grab yourself a cuppa and let's go. So, hello, Helen. Hello. I'm so glad to have you here. I'm so glad to be here. (laughs) I was delighted when you went, yes, I'll be on your podcast. So, yeah, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to have you here because I think... um, you know, we, we've, we've only met really briefly before and then immediately I was like, you know, when you get that feeling of, oh, I, I felt like I knew you <laughs> in a weird way. Um, so I felt like there was something, I thought I've got, to, I've got to capture that, whatever that is. Here we go, let's record it. Let's have a really great conversation and get it on record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the conversation we had before was really full. It was really full, really useful. Um, and like I say, I just felt like there was such a ease, an ease in which um, we, we spoke about things. So, yeah, I, I'm always up for capturing that. So but obviously today um, is about how you are. And that's one of the things that I ask everyone is that the how are you really? So let's mm. get let's get going with it. How, how are things for you? Really good. Thank you. It's been a, uh, the end of 2021 was a, was a big high yeah. for me uh, professionally and personally. And that's then led into a great start to 2022. Mm-hmm. And the thing that's really funny about telling you I'm really well and things are really good is straight away, there's a guilty feeling that comes with that. Like, oh, can you really say that? Like, you know, lots of people are having a really tough time right now. Shouldn't you play it down a bit and say, oh, well, I'm okay, even though I feel freaking amazing. <laughs> Should I let her play it down a bit? Because I feel guilty that I might make other people feel like, oh, well, she all sounds a bit good. Her life's better than mine, blah, blah, blah. And I find it ridiculous. I've got this real bugbear about guilt at the moment. I've had this for a few years. 
because I want to say I'm feeling good, but I feel guilty about that. But equally, if I'd come on this maybe six months ago when I was feeling really low and I was saying, oh, Mish, I'm feeling a bit rough at the moment. I feel like I can't get my direction. Or oh, I feel guilty sharing that because I feel a bit moany. So it doesn't matter what we say, we feel guilty. It's yes. ridiculous. Yeah. Isn't it funny that that guilt gets going, whether yes. you're saying I'm great and whether you're saying, oh, I'm not, I'm not, there's, there's guilt from all sides, isn't there? Yeah. And it's, I suppose it's, it's letting yourself just be how you are. Yeah. Um, and not necessarily worrying that anyone else will be comparing themselves to, to that. So you're feeling great. You said you had a really good end to 2021. So yeah. do you want to say anything about that? Sure. So the things that were going well for me at the end of last year. Um, so I wrote a book and published my book last year. It was very exciting. Uh, so that came out book. in... Oh, thanks. <laughs> That came out at the end of November. So December was all kind of celebrating the launch of it. Um, and I must say the most exciting part for me, December the 21st, so right towards the end of the month, um, was recording the audio book. Oh, yes, I saw that. Yeah. So writing a book, quite hard work. Editing a book, very hard work, because essentially you write your book, which is now kind of your baby, and you send it out to people and they tell you that your baby is ugly, and then you've <laughs> got to rewrite your baby. You're like, oh gosh, this is really hard work. <laughs> but then once you've done all of that, and you've gone through the publishing process, which I also found very hard, you know, choosing fonts and cover design and oh gosh, all this stuff. And that all feels like a lot of hard work. And then as a final thing, to sit down with your book, all published and pretty, mm-hmm. and to sit down and read it out loud was really lovely. What a joy. What a joy. Yeah. I saw some clips of you, you doing that. So that, that yeah, that did look really, really exciting. And I could see how, how the momentum is built around getting, getting your book out there. Yeah. Um, just, you know, I've, I have... Well, I'm working my way through it, about halfway through it now. And I have to say, you know, you took saying about how difficult it is to choose your font and choose your artwork and choose. But I have to say your font is really good because it's there's a lot of space. And I'm really pleased because sometimes I'm reading books and I'm like there is no, it's so dense. There is yeah. there's no gaps. And it's yeah, it's really well laid out. So that work paid off as a reader. Great. I'm delighted to hear it. <laughs> Who'd have thought? We start off thinking, how are you? And then we move on to... to there we go, fonts. Let's talk about fonts. <laughs> yeah, but congratulations with your book. It's, it's excellent. And we'll make sure there's a link so that people can buy it. And um, uh, yeah, definitely go and buy it. It's a, it's a great book. It's called Better Than Confidence. Um, like Helen said, released last year and the audio book is out as well. And anything that you want to think about confidence is, is all there. It's all about your relationship with it. And uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed reading it. Um, so far I might pull some bits out actually as we go along but so in terms of how you are you're saying that you're feeling buoyant yes on top of things things are feeling good yes so how do you know that how do you know that 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 you feel good what's what are the signs for you uh it might be and it's interesting because this ties into what I say about confidence as well it might be the lack of something mm-hmm. so to me confidence is a lack of oh my gosh I can't do this What if it goes wrong? What if I get fired? What if I say something stupid? If confidence is a lack of those thoughts, to me, feeling buoyant and good is a lack of what am I doing? What or just the, the one big flag for me that when I know that I'm really not in a good place is when the only thought going around my mind is I'm so busy. Mm. And I'm so overwhelmed by that thought of being so busy 
that I can't do anything. And I'm yeah. so inefficient because I go, oh, I'm so busy. I've got to do this. And I start doing that for five minutes and then go, oh, but I've also got to do this. So I'll go start doing that for five minutes. So I achieve nothing or do a lot of stuff with really bad quality mm-hmm. because I'm overwhelmed by that thought of I'm so busy. Yes. But for me, it's a lack of those thoughts that mm-hmm. says I'm in a good place. Uh, and also a lot of it comes down to the physical as well. So I'm exercising regularly. I'm eating good food. I am just a full on stalker of Joe Wicks. It's <laughs> changed my life. Uh, I turned 40 last year and my goal for turning 40 was to feel better than I ever had. I also had in mind at the time to look better than I ever had, but having stalked Joe Wicks now for over 18 months, I can share with you that actually having a goal to look good really isn't very healthy, Mm. whereas having a goal to feel good and it just pays off. You do one bit of exercise, you feel a bit better. You eat one healthy meal, you feel a bit better. Absolutely. And so that's been incredible as well. Yeah. So this is a combination of things that you've put into place. Yes. Excuse me. That has now led you to feeling um your optimum self yeah yeah I'd I'd say I'm just a little bit under optimum just now because I've got a couple of weeks this month that are just really full on Mm -hmm. so I do sometimes maybe five minutes a day find myself in that (gasps) I'm so busy and I know how to cope with that now so that's good Uh, but I know that once these two weeks are done yeah I've got a more manageable rest Mm -hmm. of January and February um which I'll call out as a caution because I hear people say that so often and it never becomes true because once I get past this I'll be okay like no because then the next thing comes Um, but I am actually managing it to make sure I am more uh, yeah realistic about what I can do after these two weeks yeah that's 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 good to hear and it's good to hear that you've gone I'm just I'm I'm saying that with a caveat off (laughs) often life gets in the way and we we start that um that being busy that feeling of being busy so it's about recognizing that early and mm, then I'm not my best self if I'm feeling that overwhelm yeah yeah and so when you're thinking of your journey overall with um resilience in general or how how you how you're feeling how you're looking after yourself tell me about it what would be your your description of your journey I guess if I tell you my career journey about how I came to do what I do and um, and be in the position I am of having written a book and, and so on, um, the resilience journey kind of flows with that. So when I was 17 years old, I was doing a little Saturday job in a, in a ladies clothes shop. Um, had very loving parents, I still have very loving parents, mm-hmm. uh, who were really not happy in themselves. So my dad hated his job. So every night he'd come home from work and he was kind of miserable because he hated his job. Yeah. And my mum loved her job. She was a real kind of career woman, which in those days wasn't quite so common, um, you know, going out and having a family. But she had lots of limitations. You know, being a woman in the workplace, there was a bit of that glass ceiling. She had some managers who weren't very good. So I was kind of growing up in this not very happy household And then doing the Saturday job and noticing that people weren't very happy there either. Yeah. And kind of just building this picture. I wouldn't have been able to articulate this at all when I was 17. But, you know, you look back and things make sense that if people could be happier at work, they'd be happier at home. And if you're happier at home, you tend to go into work happier the next day. And so wouldn't it be nice if we could do something about that? Mm -hmm. 
Fast forward a few years, I've decided to do a degree in psychology because I'm just fascinated about psychology. And you've got to choose in your third year where you specialize in, in bits of psychology. Okay. And a guy stands up on stage. It's, it's like that moment where you really fully remember everything about where I was sat in the auditorium and the guy down there, what he looked like. And he said, I'm here today to talk to you about occupational psychology. And this is where you go into organizations and help people understand why they do what they do, find joy in what they do, solve problems more effectively, do their job better. And I just sat there and it was a proper, oh, this is what, yes, this is what I am I am meant to do. This is what I was born for. Um, and essentially that, that's been me. So I was wow. what, 20 years old then. Um, I went and did a master's in occupational psychology. I got a job working in a consulting firm that did uh, like talent identification. So how do you assess who has got the potential to do well in a job? Uh, and then also talent development. Once we've assessed you're good to do the job, how do we develop those skills? How do we develop your potential? Coaching, leadership development. And I just loved that side. The, the assessment side's interesting, but the development side was my utter passion. And so fast forward 20 years, I've been doing that nonstop in different guises, different organizations, but that is utterly what I love. Yeah. And if I think back to a conversation I had when I was about 20 years old, I was the student rep person. So it was my job to go to lecturers and, and report anything that the students weren't happy with. And one of our lecturers had kind of set up the program that we as the students did a lot of the kind of creating lectures and sharing things which now as a learning professional, I know is a really great thing to do. Yeah. But at the time as a student, it was like, well, that's your job as a lecturer. <laughs> Why are you getting us to do it? And actually we're worried that we're not gonna learn what we need to because we don't know what we need to teach. Uh, so a lot of the students had come to me to complain. I also wasn't very happy about it. And I went to him and I couldn't get my words out. I was hyperventilating. I managed in between hyperventilating to say sorry for this being a really embarrassing situation. And I did eventually get some words out about what we felt uncomfortable with as a student body, but it was humiliating and also uh, worrying to think, well, how can I have a career if I can't even have a conversation with a lecturer? Yeah. And so coming out of that university experience and into the workplace, I was very conscious of how am I going to have conversations with people where I'm not hyperventilating? Yes. And this is where in the book, I talk about being brave, mm -hmm. which is just about, you just got to go and do it. Absolutely. Because if I sit with that memory of the hyperventilating, I could very easily convince myself that I should never talk to anybody senior. Mm -hmm. I should never have a challenging conversation. Actually, I did the opposite. I said, I need to go and have as many challenging conversations as possible. Wow. My first job was working in the NHS where I had to go into uh, NHS trusts to the executive board, age 21, 22, oh, and tell them what they were doing wrong. <laughs> wow, that is brave. Yeah, <laughs> I was terrified. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> but again, that exposure... And sure, the first time was awful and the second time was very uncomfortable and the 17th time was still pretty uncomfortable. But past the 25th time, this is now just what I do. Yes. And to have had that exposure so early on just built me up and, and taught me that 
when you feel afraid of something, if it's important to you and you want to do it, you've just got to go and do it. Yeah, absolutely. Because you can easily talk yourself out of it and stay in a place of safety, which feels safe, but actually it's restrictive. It means you don't you don't go out of that comfort zone, don't push yourself beyond, which is what you did. You go, I'm literally taking myself out of this safe space (laughs) and I'm flinging myself into the den of uncertainty and fear and just going to see what happens. So, yeah, amazing. Yeah. And it's interesting when you talk about it's not really a safe space because Mm. it's restricting. Absolutely. One of the things I wrote about in the book was how we make ourselves small. And I've had a number of people say to me that that was a real trigger and brought in a lot of tears for people as, as we realize that's what I've done. Yes. I've made myself small. I've told myself I can't have difficult conversations. I can't stick my head up in a meeting and make clear that I've got a good point or I've got a question because what if I get shut down or what if someone thinks I'm stupid? And so what do I do instead? I shrink. Yes. I get smaller and smaller. And the recognition that we've done that to ourselves nobody else made me small I made me small oh my gosh that resonates with me so strongly that is like I have a physical reaction to to that which I so I really understand why when people have read your book in particular that bit it's almost like wow (laughs) that's what I've done why would I do that to myself why would I ever make myself less than yeah I wouldn't do that to anyone else. No. Why have I done that to me? It's such an awful realisation. And so the the, the pain of going through that to then say, I don't want to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a difficult place to be, isn't it? To then go, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to do this. And despite the fear of what that might bring, I'm going to, I'm going to push myself. I'm going to go for it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an awful moment to, hold that mirror up to yourself and go I have this is what I've done and um, and no more there's a lot of power in that I think exactly and that's the moment right so we, we hold the mirror up and we go oh my gosh I've done this to myself and it feels awful yeah. and if we just sit there oh my goodness that would be a bad place to be but to make that turn and say I'm not going to do that anymore what does that mean I need to do differently what an opportunity yeah yeah So coming on from there in in my career uh, and then coming into running my own business now for, gosh, 11 years, that's flown by, um, still all doing the same stuff, leadership development, coaching, personal effectiveness. And I sat down to write a book because I wanted to increase my reach. So if Mm -hmm. you think if I'm doing one-to-one coaching, I can have an impact on one person. Amazing. If I'm in a workshop with 12 people, I might have an impact because you don't hit all 12 people in a workshop. <laughs> we love yeah. try. Yeah. <laughs> I might get four. I might get five. You know, you see sure. the pennies drop. You're like, yeah. So, okay. Now I've hit five people. That's good. Well, what if you could have a way like a TED talk would be amazing where you've got millions of views or a book where you can get out. So yeah. that was what I was thinking was to increase the reach. Um, it would be great to write a book. And the TED talk is still a goal as well. I'd love oh, to go, go for that. it. It'd be yeah. great. <laughs> Uh, I have to try and get the, because uh, they're very specific in their application requirements. So I have to get that in and see how I do. Um, so I start, I sat down to write this book on honest conversations because that's the key theme to so much of my work is we need to talk about it. We need to have the conversation, face into the conversation, like we were saying before, instead of run away from it. Yeah. 
And I sat down to write this book and it, I don't know, like 12, 14 months of just going around in circles and not getting anywhere. And I had this moment of, are you doing this or not? Because if you want to write the book, you can't just go in circles for 14 months. I thought, well, yes, I do really want to do it, but I seem to be getting stuck. So what's going on? And I thought maybe this isn't the right topic. What else is, is there instead? And this thing of confidence kept coming up in my mind. I thought, well, I don't, that's not really my living. I haven't spent 20 years teaching people about confidence. Mm -hmm. But hang on a second, it comes up in every single conversation. So if you're talking about being a better leader, oh, well, I don't feel confident giving someone feedback. You talk about being promoted to a leader. Oh, I don't know if I've got the confidence to step into that. Mm -hmm. Talk about presentation skills. Oh, well, I need more confidence to be a good presenter. So every single conversation, there's a belief that, oh, I can't do that because I'm not confident enough. Mm -hmm. So it actually occurred to me that confidence has been all the way through. Yeah. Yeah. Even from your own experience of having to go into those meetings all the time. That was started then. Exactly. Once I made that decision to write that book, Mm -hmm. it just flew. The entire lot was done in two months. Wow. I couldn't believe it. You know, though, sometimes when you're in that, when you're in the um, in the flow of writing, sometimes it just falls out of you, and and suddenly there you are writing it. Like, wow, how did that happen? So, yeah, something clicked for you then about the exactly. topic. And that's a key thing for me as well. When you talk about my resilience journey, is connecting with that. What am I trying to do? What outcome do I want? How can this help other people? And because I connected with that in the purpose of writing the book, yeah. it flew, as you say, it just flows out. And then that became the content of the book. Mm-hmm. Focus on your outcome. Yes. What is it you want to achieve? Focus on the other person. What is it they need? How can I serve them? Mm-hmm. Instead of always being obsessed with ourselves. And, oh, I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to. How often are we stop- stopping ourselves from doing something because we're worried about looking stupid? <laughs> nobody else cares they're too bothered they too busy worrying about them looking stupid <laughs> indeed <laughs> so true <laughs> and so to get that in the book uh, there's a quote banging around that you always write the book that you need oh absolutely and so I guess in a sense you can see my resilience journey in the book because as I've written out mm-hmm. this is what I know helps my clients this is what I know helps people this is also what has helped me yes staying focused on what outcome do I want how does this help people and what steps do I need to take to be brave to get there yes and that's just been an incredible journey and, and then to get that in writing mm-hmm. uh, and see that reflected uh, just incredible yeah and I really like the, the link that for me when when I've when the bits I've read I completely see how your resilience links into to that mm-hmm. so I, I can see how you've you are in that book and therefore that is your your journey as much as it is everyone else's so yeah and I wonder if it's worth exploring that further because I think we think about confidence and resilience as different things mm-hmm. how did you see that resilience was coming through in the confidence conversation it, it was it was really in the the conversation that you have with yourself about it and the relationship um that you have there was one let me just see if I can find it Oh, yes, I have put my little post-it note. I'm just waving (laughs) at her. (laughs) Um, You put put something in chapter four. It says, when we chase after confidence, we lose focus on the thing we wanted to achieve in the first place. And I feel like if you you substituted the word 
confidence with resilience that's exactly the same thing if you if you if your goal is resilience it's not i suppose it's not really a goal in my mind it's it's the journey of it so it's not about saying if I do these things, I will be more resilient. Or if I do these, it's about acknowledging where you are with it and your relationship with it. And so I could see, I could see that if I kept substituting yeah. resilience with confidence, I was like, oh, okay, it really makes sense for me in and, and focusing on, on the outcome and um, you know, how how do I want to feel about this? And it's and again, it's not not necessarily about the end point in, in my mind. It's more. It's more exploring what's underneath it and what your relationship with it is. So I felt there was a lot of crossovers there. Definitely. I really like that quote. Love that. And, and as you say, the kind of the journey that you go on and your relationship with, you know, how am I feeling about this? For me, the link between confidence and resilience is that um, the negative spirals that we get into. Mm -hmm. So, oh, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. People are going to think I'm stupid. I might get fired. What if I say something stupid? Yeah. And that negative spiral, essentially, you know, complete lack of self-belief and uh, a pessimism or a uh, real negative focus totally erodes Absolutely. that sense of resilience. Yeah. And then, yeah. as you say, the two are, are massively linked. Yeah, yeah. And it's the evolution of it. It's not, It's for me, it's not about having that end point. So it's kind of like you don't go, I've done all this. I've read your book. I've done the reflective tools. And now I am confident. And that is my end point. This is and I'm like, no, no, no. This is this is a it's a constant um, tweaking evolution, constant revisiting, I think. And both for in terms of the confidence regarding your book, but also for resilience, I see it as a we're never a done deal there's we, sure. we develop all the time and, and I think there's always going to be things that challenge us and um, then we have to revisit what what our relationship is with that again mm. and make those tweaks so um, I really like that idea yeah hearing you talk about that it's fascinating because when you talk about resilience isn't the goal I think well I think resilience is a good goal because you know I get to a point you say oh I feel more resilient yeah, it feels really good to feel in a place where I feel more yeah. resilient. But as you say, to get there, one, you're not going to get there and then that stops because <laughs> you, you then need to do more to stay resilient. Yeah, you're not just going to get there and go, ta-da. And also there's kind of a, well, I guess it's like saying I want to be happy as a goal. We end up chasing something that doesn't seem quite right. And actually, what do you want the resilience for? Mm -hmm. Or what do you want the confidence for? Or what do you want the happiness for? There's almost like a yeah. an interesting exploration here about those things not being the goal, but them yes. being side benefits. Yeah, it's almost like they're not a static point where you're going, I'm going here and then I will stop. Right. I think you write about saying, I'm going along this journey. Mm. And it's it's an it's a never-ending journey. There's not an end point. Yes. Because in order to keep my confidence or my resilience or my happiness, we don't we don't stop doing the things that keep us there. Right. So for me, it's almost <laughs> almost like a treadmill, which sounds right. awful. <laughs> 
but it but it is it's that that constant feeding into it so I've got to come up with a better idea than treadmill because <laughs> like it's a slog <laughs> but, but it's it's it does it needs to be it needs absolutely to be. it's hard work yeah, uh, yeah and I think that's really interesting then because we're not saying it's um a bad thing to aim for mm-hmm. but could that be a distraction and could that be a sense that oh I'll get there one day and as you say you don't stop it's it's an ongoing uh, journey very interesting yeah yeah so how what would you say that you've you've discovered in terms of what works for you in maintaining your resilience on this journey mm. what how, what would you say works so I guess the two biggest things for me are noticing mm-hmm. and stalking Joe Wicks <laughs> I feel like you need to have a sit down with Joe Wicks. I, I probably will attempt to do that at some point. Just saying, just putting it out there, Joe Wicks. Put it out there to you on this podcast. Joe, you, Joe, you have it. a stalker. <laughs> um, so the noticing piece okay. is about, um, as I'm sure you are highly familiar with, the whole kind of just notice what you're feeling, notice what you're thinking. Um, some people talk about that as a, as a mindfulness practice. Yeah. For me, it's just tuning in mm-hmm. to what am I thinking? Mm-hmm. And so that one I shared with you before about, oh, I'm so busy. Oh my yeah. gosh, I'm so busy. To just notice, huh, when I have that thought, I tend to go around in circles and not be very efficient. Mm-hmm. To notice without judgment. Yes is such a skill and it's a skill most of us don't have because we notice with a hell of a lot of judgment yeah oh for goodness sake Helen why are you being so inefficient why are you being so stupid why are you telling yourself you're busy instead of just getting on with the job you idiot and we're so judgmental we talk to ourselves in disgusting ways we'd never talk to anyone else like that absolutely the challenge to say what if I could oh that's interesting that's interesting that uh, that seems to be a trend that when you think this you do this um and one that's really funny for me working in the the learning and development or training sphere uh is a thing that a lot of people don't like of course is at the beginning of a learning experience we go around the room everybody introduces themselves <laughs> hi I'm Helen I'm a business psychologist I've been working here for 11 years and you get a lot of people like oh, I hate that bit well I was one of those people and I do it for a living and I get there in the course and I was like oh no I've got and I'd start getting the heart palpitations and feeling like I was going to start hyperventilating I was like this isn't very helpful for my job that mm. I'm here but again instead of all of that judgment why are you being so stupid why are you getting nervous that's ridiculous just sit with it yes but that's interesting yeah that's so remaining curious about it rather than being judgmental about it love that word curious let's be curious uh, that's interesting so what's going on there okay what seems to happen is I think about what I want to say and then I feel my heart rate starting to raise yeah okay so what if I did something different what if I tried instead of thinking about what I wanted to say I thought about what outcome I wanted right does that make a difference? Oh, yeah, that does seem to be making a bit of a difference. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, then I start worrying about stumbling over my words and looking stupid. Okay. What could I do differently there? Yeah. And just as you say, being curious, sitting with it, investigating, trial and error. It's mm-hmm. like becoming your own little science project. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to try this. Did that? Oh, that didn't work. Okay. Let's try something different. Oh, that works quite well. Yes. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that we immediately fall onto the 
um, chastising ourselves for for whatever we're thinking or feeling immediately. That's such a go-to place for for lots of people. And you have to practice the ability to remain curious and open to what whatever's popping up for you. Absolutely. So yeah. that's been a huge thing for me. To, yeah, I bet. To learn to be curious uh, and and quieten down. To, to say I'm non-judgmental is a lie. Exactly. I'm still there going, oh my gosh, Helen, you're such an idiot. I'm like, okay, let's put that to one side. Let's be curious. Let's see what we can do. Yeah. Um, that's been a really great journey. As you say, journey ongoing, never ending. Yeah. Um, the stalking Joe Wicks point, it's not really about stalking, let me be clear. <laughs> <laughs> he is just incredible in his focus on mental health and physical health being so linked. And every day on Instagram, he's saying something about if you feel a bit rough today, mm-hmm. if you feel a bit stressed, a bit overwhelmed, go and do 15 minutes. It could be a walk around the block. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be this like, oh, I did some weight training. I did some massive thing. Go for a walk around the block, get some fresh air, go to bed 20 minutes earlier, stop scrolling through social media, which is funny, of course, because I'm stalking him on social media. And he's saying, you might want to get off social media. Brilliant. Doom scrolling um, that you mean. It's not engaging yes. with it in a, in a um, capacity where you're... Uh, mindfully engaging with it. You, it it's that I'm just not even paying attention to anything which is the worst bit but yeah, yeah I mean if you're actually actually looking then <laughs> that's different yeah well and also choosing what you're looking at so I've been very clear in who I follow on social media that they are positive healthy messages and none yes. of that doom stuff yeah um and so because every day I'm getting that inspiration from Joe Wicks to get some exercise, to choose a healthy meal mm-hmm. and to have small wins. Yes. So most of us fall into the trap of, oh, I'm doing a healthy lifestyle. Oh, no, I've had one chocolate biscuit. Therefore, I've ruined it. And I may as well just eat the entire packet of chocolate biscuits. <laughs> it's all over. I failed. My healthy lifestyle is <laughs> over. Job done. So I'm very familiar with that. I've been there for many, many years. Um, And again, Joe Wicks is there saying it's the small wins. So you've had a chocolate biscuit. So what? Yeah. If you then choose not to eat the rest of the packet. That's your win. win. Absolutely. It's it's that shift in mindset, isn't it? To, like you say, the small wins, the small goals, the 10 minutes walk around the block. Amazing, amazing um, impact on doing something physical to keep that um to keep that well-being just mm. topped up yeah yeah I, I wouldn't say you'd you're stalking him <laughs> <laughs> it's becoming I think daily a, I think. big admiration there we go <laughs> it's <laughs> because it's daily and my husband will hear joe wick's voice and he's like stalker you're a stalker <laughs> he's yeah he's just jealous oh, absolutely why don't you listen to me so intently indeed <laughs> that's what it's about but no it's good you know and I do think we need to have those people that that inspire us that help us um uh question where where am I with this have I have I had my small win of, of going for a walk or just um downing tools for 15 minutes doing a bit of stretching or something have have I have I had that small win and I think if you've got someone that inspires you and is positive and 
absolutely you know connect with them and 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 learn learn absolutely and and seeing the difference that that physical stuff makes to my mental health is just incredible isn't it unbelievable yeah and annoyingly as well and again a lot of this is the oh my gosh I've done that to myself Mm -hmm. so we talked with this before about I've made myself small um I have taught myself that if I feel a bit groggy Mm -hmm. and tired and sometimes even a bit of a headache like maybe a tension headache on the back of my head if I'm feeling like that, the thing I need is a nice rom-com movie mm-hmm. and a pizza, probably a gin and tonic as well. <laughs> Those are the things that are going to make me feel better. That's what I've taught myself uh-huh. over 20 odd years. And it's really only in the past few months that I've noticed that if I do those things, mm-hmm. the headache gets worse. Yeah. And if I listen to Joe Wicks and I go and do a Joe Wicks workout instead. Yeah. The headache disappears. I feel much more, I mean, you used the word buoyant earlier, which is a great word. I feel like I'm bouncing around the house. Yeah. I feel like I've got more energy. I sleep better. And so now when I feel that grogginess and that headache, I go, oh, I should probably do a workout because yes. that's what I've learned is good for me. And my brain goes, no, Netflix and pizza. That's what <laughs> you need. Netflix and pizza. Mm. I, I think actually the evidence is suggesting a workout would be better no 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 Netflix and pizza yeah and it's a battle a full-on battle I may as well get swords out it's a full-on fight to (laughs) say get to the gym you're going to feel better yes and just that incredible mental and physical health benefit that my stupid thought patterns are so used to thinking in an opposite way it's yeah. really hard to make well if we've been conditioned to think that way exactly. that fe- you know this is feel- if we're feeling a bit like you say not not quite as buoyant as we'd normally well I'll just do the hibernation thing yeah. and, and actually that's not always what we need and we're not always tuning into that thing and what what actually do I need not not what I feel like that's what you do yeah. in inverted commas but what do I actually need for my, what's my body telling me that I need? Um, and we, we can be so conditioned to thinking that it is that hibernation bit that we forget that, that um, using energy gives you energy. So, yeah, so make sure that you're um, nurturing that part of yourself that does want that, that exercise and does want that fresh air and all that walk or whatever it is. Absolutely. Yeah, I really love that. Yeah. And even hearing you say that using energy gives you energy, it's very counterintuitive, isn't it? If we I don't, and, we don't believe it. No. <laughs> if I go use up all the fuel in my car, it doesn't automatically <laughs> refill. Like using energy doesn't give you more energy. Um, but that's exactly what I'm discovering for myself. Yeah. And again, if I guess we can move past that, oh, but I'm conditioned to think this. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm conditioned to think that. But can I get again be the science project and be curious and say the evidence is actually telling me something different? Yeah. And it's about saying it doesn't mean that's true for me. Right. That's the difference, isn't it? You're going, well, actually, yeah. I don't need to believe that. I can yeah. I can do this. So how do you when you're looking after yourself? Because it sounds like you're you're really in touch with what you need mm-hmm. and what works for you. So how are you able to hold yourself to account for it? Or do you have to um do other people point it out do, is it something you do yourself how do you kind of keep that check-in of where you are 
Yeah, it's really interesting. I think there's a, a couple of things here. One is um, when I first hear that question, how do I how do I hold myself accountable? I think, well, I haven't got a choice, mm-hmm. which is, of course, ridiculous because mm-hmm. we've always got choice. Um, but the reason I think I haven't got a choice is because I run a business. Yeah. I run a business where, you know, I'm, I'm talking like this all day, every day. Sure. That energy has to be there. And I have to be able to tune into the other person in order to help them. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not a good place, not in a good place, I just can't do that. Yeah. Or I can do it badly. And I don't want to do it badly. I want to do it brilliantly. Yeah. Because again, it's about outcome focus and others focus. What outcome do I want? I want to make a difference to people. I want to help people. Well, who are they and what do they need? They need me to listen. They need me to tune in and they need me to be in a space where I can give them what they need. Or I can't do that if I'm in a bad place. Absolutely. So I say it feels like I don't have a choice, but of course, all of that is my choice, but that's the outcome I want and that's what I want to do and and so on. And of course, let's talk about, you know, simple black and white things. I won't make money if I'm not running a business, if I'm not doing those things. Uh, And I like money. I like the the pizza and gin that it buys me. (laughs) And the Joe Wicks subscription. (laughs) I knew Joe Wicks would come back in. There we go. He's got to keep coming back in. So. It feels like I haven't got a choice, but as I say, of course I have. Mm-hmm. And therefore the thing that holds me to account is myself yeah. in recognizing, oh, I've just had a meeting where I wasn't, wasn't in the best place. I didn't do the best thing for that person. Do I need to go get some fresh air? Do I need to go do something that's going to help me be in a better place in order to deliver the outcome I want, help others as I want to, and so on. And, and we know that feeling. We know it. We know when we've not been our best selves in our in our work and, and how we're turning up for people. Um, so, yeah, really important to, to tune into that. Yeah. The other thing I would say that I feel has just been a massive blessing and um, I'm not a big fan of talking about feeling lucky, but I, w- I will say that I feel lucky to have had this. Um, I have never had the belief that self-care is selfish. And that is the belief that I find holds most people back Mm -hmm. from better thinking, better resilience practices, better self-care practices, because we say, well, I can't do that. That's selfish. Yes. Um, Even talking to a coaching client the other day who uh, is concerned that her house is kind of falling apart. She hasn't had time to go and look after the house or sort things out for her family. Mm -hmm. And she really needs a new car because it's just getting ridiculous. But for her to go and do any of that is selfish. Mm -hmm. And you sat there thinking, oh, my goodness, what have we done to ourselves that absolutely taking care of our basic needs is now what we consider selfish? Yeah. So I consider it a huge blessing that I've never had that. Yes. because I loved your questions, Mish, you sent me some <laughs> questions for me to reflect on for this call. And um, they're such great questions reflecting on the journey I've been on and what I've learned and so on. So I was reflecting on this question. I was like, well, why have I never had that belief? Mm-hmm. Because I grew up in a household where that belief was rife. Right. And I think actually it was seeing the damage of that mm-hmm. that has led me to go the other way. Yes. I have seen my mother her entire life say I can't look after me that's selfish I can't do anything for me that's inappropriate and I've seen the damage oh my gosh the damage that's done to her yeah and so I think that's probably just flipped me the other way yeah 
to say it's fundamental. Yes, well, good for you, because that's going to underpin everything that you do for yourself and for others, isn't it? Because you'll be promoting that. And if you can help, like you say, a a portion of the people that you you work with see that and something resonates with them about going, hang on a minute. (laughs) This doesn't make sense. Yeah. (laughs) What a a gift that is to be able to to share that that development that you've you've had to go through. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that. Okay, well, we're coming towards the end. So usually at the end, I ask for five tips. Now, it's yeah. been quite funny <laughs> with all my guests. Some of them have been like, I've literally got five. Some, some have gone way over or under. I've got 17. <laughs> There's no rule. It's just that I think five is quite a nice number. Yeah. So that was, there was no science in that tune. <laughs> so if you have got five tips, can we have them, please? You can. And I bet you can guess what name's going to come up in one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> mm. mm. I wonder. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> could I possibly think? OK, top tip number one. Uh, all of these are going to sound very familiar, by the way, based on the conversation we've had. Mm-hmm. My top tip number one is to think about what outcome you want. Because yeah. if we're thinking about, oh, you know, well, I need to be more resilient or I need to be more confident, that takes you on a kind of sidebar actually what is it that you're wanting to get to Um, and that's why it's the first tip in the book is the one that seems to have the biggest impact on me on my clients in workshops presentation skills right if you're doing a presentation people go oh I'll start writing my slides no what outcome do you want from the presentation Um, so that's my top tip number one Top tip number two is to challenge that rubbish thing about guilt. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can't say that. That makes that person feel bad. And I can't delegate this work because that person's already busy. And I shouldn't say that I'm struggling because then the other person feels like they can't say they're struggling. And I can't do this because that's selfish. All of those guilty views. Again, what if we could be a bit curious about those and a little bit more challenging? Yes. Okay, I seem to be feeling like I'm guilty what what am I guilty of here or what might be a more helpful way to think instead of feeling that guilt yeah I love that. Um, and there's a great just as a as an aside uh Tasha Urich Dr Tasha Urich has oh, written a brilliant yeah. book called Insight and that's all about self-awareness mm-hmm. and one of the big things she talks about is asking what questions instead of why yes yes so if we say why do I feel guilty I'll be, I'll be able to justify it. I feel guilty because I'm a nice person and I don't want to be a nasty person. I will be able to justify it. But if I ask, well, what do I want to feel or what do I think is the better outcome? Yeah. We're going to have better thinking. So that's it's it. a really different position to, to put yourself in asking those, those different types of questions. Yeah. I love Tasha Urich. Yeah. So then we get into Joe Wicks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a, a particular quote from him that I want to share, okay. which is the motivation comes after the workout. Mm-hmm. So, so many people write to Joe Wicks and say, oh, you seem to be this amazing guy and the stuff's just great. But, you know, I never feel motivated. And he's like, well, you can't wait until you feel motivated, because sometimes the thing we need to do is really hard. And if you wait for the motivation, you'll never do it. Yeah. So just do it. Absolutely. And then you'll feel good afterwards. Do you know, I completely agree with that completely because the motivation is it is, is the thinking and feeling and actually get on with the behavior yeah. and then that will all kick in and it works time and time and time again. I see it all the time where we get caught up in that 
more don't know if I can do it and, and get caught up in that not that not motivating thinking and feeling phase and actually yeah I really really love that one I love the way you've put that as well the motivation is the thinking and feeling mm. just get on with the behavior <laughs> love it yeah <laughs> there's the quote yeah, don't think get on with it. <laughs> fantastic uh, another uh, person or, or book I would recommend. Now, this is one I've only recently started reading, so it's um, still a bit of a work in progress. But I came across this book called uh, "Why Didn't They Teach Us This at School? Why Aren't We Taught at This at School? Why aren't Why aren't we taught this at school?" by Alice Sheldon. Right. And she's a lady who's developed this thing that she calls needs understanding. Mm-hmm. That all the time we are trying to meet our needs. Yeah. And if you and I get into an argument over something, it's probably because I'm trying to meet this need and you're trying to meet a different need. And so we're coming at it from different angles and we can't understand each other. Mm -hmm. What if we could better tune into, and this comes back to the conversation we've had about being curious. Mm -hmm. What if we could be more curious about what need am I trying to fulfill right now? And if you're annoying me, what need might you be trying to fulfill? Think about this in parenting, right? The kids being really, what need does that child have? And what need do I have? And why are we getting annoyed with each other? What if we could take time to better understand each other's needs and then talk about how we can both meet each other's needs instead of fighting? And there's just something for resilience, for confidence, for just being satisfied in life and having less conflict and disagreement. Mm -hmm. That seems like a really healthy thing to be curious about. Yeah, absolutely. And my final one, uh, giving lots of plugs for other people here. So hopefully it's useful for, for finding people. Go and look up Alice Sheldon, Joe Wicks, Tasha Urich. Yeah. Uh, and the final one I want to share is Grace Marshall. Okay. Grace is a productivity ninja. Love that. That's her job title. <laughs> and she shared something on social media. I think it was uh, towards the end of the year about what's your pick me up list. Mm. And I've talked about how my conditioning or my thought pattern is to just fall into Netflix pizza gin. Yes. And it actually doesn't always, in fact, it doesn't often make me feel good, mm-hmm. those things, but it's what I fall into. Yeah. And if we're really tired and we've had a really long day at work or a really busy night with the family or whatever, and we thought, oh, now I want to do something that makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. If we haven't thought about what those things are, we'll fall into the old patterns. Yeah, absolutely. What if instead we were to actually sit down at a time where we're not feeling that knackered yeah. and sit down and think, what is my pick-me-up list? Yeah. What are the things that actually make me feel good? It's such a good tip things that people can do to really engage with that thinking and like you say not when you're feeling knackered that's the worst time to do it do it when you actually you're feeling okay and what's made you feel okay and write the list write the real list <laughs> yeah they're really like, good tips thank you I, I i love the question i spent a lot of time thinking about it <laughs> yeah, and i really like that that you've you've drawn on other people's wisdom but sort of captured it and made it your own as well I think that's a um you know and this is what we do don't we we take other other people's bits and go yeah that's good and that will work and that will work so um but of course a lot of this is literally what's in your book I feel I feel like you're you're capturing such an essence of of your thinking around confidence that could easily be be 
be tweaked to include resilience in that in in the frame of confidence as well so yeah brilliant tips brilliant tips and I feel like um I'm feeling I've actually I am feeling quite motivated but um, I am going to go for a walk <laughs> very good right you've after got the this. feeling and the behavior amazing yeah. yeah can you believe it well if it's coming both at once I'm going to I'm going to embrace it <laughs> totally but it's been such a great a great morning with you I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed going through your journey and I can see you really thought about it so I'm ever so pleased at those those prompts have been useful to help frame it so they are great questions thank you it was yeah it was a really enjoyable experience to think through all of that and and then to discuss it with you amazing thank you very much I'm so pleased to have you as a guest so what what we'll do now is we'll we'll say our farewells and um, I'll make sure that all the links to where everyone can find you Helen are in all the uh, the um, blurb that comes with the podcast and um, make sure I'll I'll take a snap of me and your wonderful book that <laughs> I can't say enough about how brilliant Helen's book is. It's really, really helping me with where I am myself with things. So um, thank you once again for being my guest. Amazing. Thank you. Okay. Cheerio. was the wonderful Helen Fruin and for anyone interested in looking at confidence I definitely recommend that you go and get her book there will be links on the um, episode blurb so do go and help yourself to get in one of those books it's a really really good one and for the record yes I did go for the walk it was lovely (laughs) so make sure you're adding in those little resilience tips that you've gained from Helen and all the other different podcasts that I've I've shared with you so that's it for now looking forward to my next guest Um, my next guest is someone who I've had on my wish list really so I'm delighted to um, be able to share that episode with you so look out for that that'll be coming out at the end of March. Take care of yourselves, keep looking after yourselves and I'll see you again soon.